lesson from the book of Leviticus. In those days, the Lord said to Moses, Say to all the congregation of the people of Israel, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. And you shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go up and down as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand forth against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason with your neighbor, lest you bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear any grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall keep my statutes. I am the Lord. I am the Lord, keep my statutes, for I am the Lord your God. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to John. At that time it was the feast of the dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered round him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. But you do not believe, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the, fa and the Father are one. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, You are gods? If he called them gods to whom... The word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Saving words of the Gospel. Oh, today in Passion Tide, we are firmly in Passion Tide, and the the tenor of the readings have have shifted in this period of Lent. Really, Passion Tide. It's a special time of a more intense fasting, the 12 days um, that begin with Passion Sunday, First, what's called First Passion Sunday. And in the readings for Mass, we hear about the escalating conflict 
between the uh, the Jews, who are the people of Judea, the Southerners, and also the scribes and the Pharisees and so forth. Um, the, the escalating conflict with the Lord. And uh, this is taken from the 10th chapter of John. So the, the, the conflict is really escalating quite a bit. And the Lord has already performed quite a few amazing works. Well, it's... Um, and, oh, let us... Before we go on to that, I think it's probably a good idea to remind us that we are also on our spiritual pilgrimage to the different Roman station churches. And today we would gather at San Marco, kind of near the Piazza Venezia, across from where the Campidoglio is, and then we would process to San Marcello, go to the Via del Corso, it's a very busy street and fairly narrow, even though it used to be called the Via Lata, the wide street. This goes to show that, uh, that things are relative. And uh, there on the on the uh, right side you find a little inset area and there's the beautiful facade of the San Marcello al Corso. It's an interesting church and it had been once upon a time the base of an, of an anti-pope named Boniface. Which is probably why we found a baptismal fount there, which is very strange because you know, really the only place where they baptized was at the Lateran in the ancient world. But also here, um, this is a church that burned in the 1500s but there was a, a crucifix that was miraculously preserved. And uh, then a few years later, when the plague hit Rome really badly, for 16 days they called, carried it in procession around Rome and averted the plague. And this was the, the cross that was brought um, to St. Peter's uh, Basilica in the rain. Yeah, anyway, um, let me not get off on that. But um, San Marcello al Corso is where the catechumens would be, they would start to quiz them about the Ten Commandments, which they had taught them about two weeks ago. And so that's the reason for the reading from Leviticus here, because we have summations of the, of the, of the commandments, but also we have the great commandment in here that the Lord himself will quote, to love your neighbor as yourself. And um, at the same time as you say, don't take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people. Uh, remember that the only thing that the Lord went back to explain when he taught the disciples how to pray, what we now know as the Lord's Prayer, the only thing he went back to explain and emphasize was that unless you forgive, you will not be forgiven. And so these are very important things in the spiritual life here. You should not you know, bear a grudge against your people and love your neighbor as yourself. You keep these statutes, and you keep saying, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am the Lord your God. So, I think we probably should listen. Um, as far as the, the gospel reading is concerned, um, it says in here that it's the Feast of the Dedication at Jerusalem. Well, the, the dedication, and it says it's winter, so you can probably figure out what feast it is just from that. It's Hanukkah, right? And why are they walking in the temple, in the, in the portico of Solomon? A portico is a, a covered walkway with pillars on either side. And uh, it was very, uh, very grand. And um, so why are they walking there? Well, because it's a rainy season, and so they're, they're undercover. And so in this area, you can almost hear you know, what the acoustics might have been like, the Lord's voice ringing out as he answered the people as they shouted their questions at him. 
And here we have this um, continuation of the image of the Good Shepherd. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So here we have three different three different keys here. We have the identity of the Lord's sheep. The Lord's sheep are those who listen to him. We have another key here. He knows them. And the third key is they follow him. And this points to three different gifts that result from this. First of all, as he identifies himself, there's the gift that flows from this called eternal life. And that's, you know, that's not what shepherds give a visit. So it's, in a way, he's, he's, he's also, they're asking him is, are you the one? Are you the, are you the Messiah? How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Well, so one of the things he is supposed to give is eternal life. So in a way, indirectly, he's answering the question, but he's also saying more, and he's leading up to the more. I mean, the Messiah doesn't come to bring eternal life. In their minds, the, the Messiah comes to restore the Davidic priestly kingdom and maybe throw out the occupying Romans and so forth. They have a different view of the Messiah. Well, here's a Messiah who comes to bring eternal life. And it's God who does that, only God. So we have that gift of eternal life that's given according to these three keys that he's identifying with this image of sheep. The second one is deliverance. It's a salvation. They won't perish. They will die a natural death, but they will have eternal life. And the third point is uh, spiritual protection. Uh, he says in here, no one can snatch them out of my hand. And then he says, no one can snatch them out of the Father's hand. And then he says, the Father and I are, are one. Unum sumus. We are, we are one thing. We are one reality. We are one entity. And so they, the, one of the things that comes from this relationship of recognizing who the Lord is, knowing him and following him, is spiritual protection that leads to eternal life no matter what the vicissitudes of the world are. So the Lord will protect us. And, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, in the, in the, in the errant uh, notions of some Protestants that, you know, once you enter into a personal relationship uh, with Jesus, you can never lose salvation. Uh, you can go and do anything you want as long as you have that personal relationship. Well, that's not what's going on here. It is possible to lose what it is that we have been given, but that's our choice. Um, the Lord will be faithful to us. Now, there's this idea in here of the of the uh, of the knowledge of the Lord, who the Lord is through the works. Remember, it says in here. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works. That you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. There's a way that we move from physical, visible things and outward signs and so forth to the understanding of immaterial and spiritual realities. On the other hand... In this dynamic, 
there already has to be that scintilla of belief in order that we can recognize that there's something more to the things that we're seeing. Um, I, I think it's uh, Saint Anselm who who made the f the phrase a little bit more popular, but I think it actually goes back to to Augustine. Um, uh, Augustine who may have actually been misquoting something if I'm you know, digging back into my hard disk here. But the, the phrase in Latin is nisi credi deditis non intelligetis. Nisi credi deditis non intelligetis. Unless you will have first believed, you will not understand. So faith always will seek understanding. But with some things it's absolutely necessary to have that preliminary and first moment of faith, which is a grace, but it also is, is, uh, coincides and aligns uh, with the gift of our free will and intellect that we have. For us to be able to recognize how truly special, how holy something is, how true something is which might be obscure, we have to have faith. We have to have a belief in something. And then that interplay between what we call scientia, knowledge, and sapientia, wisdom, becomes um, a dynamic which allows us to go into the visible things and the formulae that we can learn and uh, the works that the Lord would perform in the in the case of, of the first century here in the Jews and the portico of Solomon in this conversation, that wisdom allows us to have deeper knowledge, and then the knowledge that we gain can lead to deeper wisdom. And there's an always active dynamic between scientia and sapientia. But one of them has to have logical priority. Even though it's absolutely true that for us to have an understanding of something, we have to know what it is first. So you would think that knowledge, the knowledge of the thing is what comes first. And then the belief and the, and the deeper understanding then comes afterwards. They are simultaneously, but I think that the, the, the faith has to be in this matter, not in, you know, the matter of mathematics or entomology or, or, you know, whatever it is might be. But in these matters, in these sacred things, the, that scintilla of faith really has to come first. And I think it's, it's interesting that in, that in uh, the arc of people's lives who struggle uh, with matters of religion, who, are, who have the faith and who fall away, a lot of these people sinning, they lose charity. And it may be that because of the difficulties of their life, they lose hope. But even lots of people who fall away, and are living lives that have nothing to do with their faith, they still have the faith. They still believe. It's the last thing that leaves them, which leads to all sorts of, for example, uh, famous people talking about things in terms of faith, even though they have there's very little in their lives that, that, that you know, look to be in keeping with that faith. Or that they're doing things that are absolutely contrary to the faith which they, they profess. The faith seems to be the thing that, that leaves the last, even if they've lost hope and charity. So one of the things that we can do uh, by our outward works 
um, if we are, you know, have a great commission, if, if the Lord does this, and if we follow the Lord as his sheep, we know him, we see him, what he does, there are these outward works, if you don't believe me, believe my works, how much more, if he talks that way and acts that way, than should we in the performance of good works on behalf of others, especially spiritual and corporal works of mercy, which might be the spark that brings the faith back into an active faith rather than a, a, a slumbering passive faith that has not yet been lost. Dominus obisum, oremos. Eripe me genimicis meis, Deus meus, et ad insurgentibus in me libera me, Domine. Grazie a tutti, fratelli.